With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, it is the much-anticipated yearly occurrence. Robbie Calland over at Uprock Sports and I are going to dive deep into NBA win total over unders because if there's one thing that Robbie and I love doing, it's gambling. Robbie, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm fired up. Isn't it just the best? We get to yeah, I love win total time. I've been having this year. This year, there's the added uh, the added math element of a 72 <laughs> game season, which is fun. Keeps it spicy. Yeah. Trying, trying to figure out the math on this has been fun. So, like, we're going to start with the Eastern Conference in this episode. The next episode will be the Western Conference. And, like, the Milwaukee Bucks are sitting here at 49 and a half wins right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that seems drastically low to me. Yes. <laughs> like, it feels, it feels like the math uh, has not caught up to Vegas yet <laughs> in terms of, like, the 10-game reduction to me. Does that feel that way to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, or maybe we're just dumb. Like that could be well, it. Yeah, I mean, well, that's always a possibility. And like, look, like I, I, I'm not surprised that the Bucks number is lower than it would have been. You know, I mean, even factoring in the math, just because of the way the off season shook out, and you know, they they lost a little bit of depth and um, have some questions. But like, I, I don't know. Like, I've I've got a couple couple working theories, and we'll get to them because because my my most of my feelings. Uh, and stronger feelings around the Eastern Conference. The West is a cluster, and we'll get to that next episode. And it's much harder to kind of parse out where you really like teams. You kind of have to plant your flag, I think, a little more there. The East, I have more feelings about. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'll get to some of my theories that I'm working with on the Eastern Conference. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the, with the Bucks at the top, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 49 and a half wins. Basically, you're projecting – this would be in the 57, 58 ish wins in uh, a normal season. And yep. like, this is a team that's, that's kind of smoked that usually, um, the last few years. And, and I do like the over here. Like, I know it kind of feels square, but, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this, this elsewhere, but it's just like, what has ever made you feel like Mike Budenholzer is ever going to learn a lesson and put it into like practice on the basketball court? Anything ever? No. Once? Okay. Then guess what? They're going to be a really good regular season team again. And we're going to have the same discussion about rotations come playoff time. Right? Well, and frankly, and it's not like they're going to be better this year. They're going to be good. Yeah. They have, they have, well, like the question is like, okay, if you lost a touch of depth, because like, Eric Bledsoe was good in the regular season, and he's like garbage in the postseason, right? And then you lose George Hill, who was somehow the best shooter in the league last year, which was weird in the regular season. Uh, so, like, I can understand some of the depth conversation, but like, yeah, like Drew is awesome. Like, I think we kind of under like we we talked about. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, they gave up so much for him!" And like, yeah, but he's also really good and has long been underrated. 
And they're still just going to be a dominant defensive team in the regular season because you're not going to be able to scheme for them, as always happens. And they're going to terrorize people with length. And, like, their offense is going to be good. Like, yeah, you're leaning a lot on Dante DiVincenzo, and that's a question for the playoffs. That's not a regular season question. Can, so, can I just, like, question that real quick? Because, like, Bryn Forbes is really good. <laughs> like, Well, sure, sure. I, I had this conversation with, with Brett. It's like, Bryn Forbes is, like, like he's been learning the ways of Patty Mills for, like, years now. And he's just going to come in and be, be that dude who's, like, he's going to help you out. Yeah, like, Bryn uh, Forbes has been a starter on a borderline playoff team for the last two years. And I feel like everyone is just neglecting that and then you're going to put him <laughs> in a place where drew holiday chris middleton and Giannis are better than demar Derozan and yes. lamarcus aldridge by leaps and bounds sure. so he's going to get even more open three pointers because he's really good at moving off of the ball right. he's going to shoot george hill looks yeah he's going to shoot 43 percent from three and average 10 points a game like it's not going to be he's a worse ball handler and creator than george hill like you probably right. don't want him as the backup point guard necessarily basically right. they took the 11 million dollars that george hill was making and split it into two players for dj augustine and Bryn Forbes. Right. and those guys are making what like i think it's nine million dollars this year yeah yeah because yeah. dj is at you know seven or whatever and like inherently that's less valuable to have two players doing one job versus one sure. player doing one job uh but DJ Augustine's a better ball handler than mm-hmm. George Hill is. So you can mix and match whenever you need more ball handling on the court. And whenever it's shooting that you need, you can mix and match, let Drew play point, uh, share the lead duties with Giannis, and then put Bryn Forbes as a floor spacer. Like the upgrade from Bryn Forbes, like over Kyle Korver is pretty drastic, I think, at this point in their careers. For, yeah, for a, for a two way, especially. I mean, just for what you like having it gone for and, and again like the questions for the bucks and this has been the case for what three years now the question for the bucks is all about the playoffs yep no regular season questions about this team this team's gonna win i i like 53 53 and 19 is like i think a very reasonable expectation for this team i mean they went 56 and 17 last year <laughs> right Right. So like so basically like, the same number of games, just one less. We're thinking that the Bucks are going to lose seven more games than they won last year? Like that seems No. That seems strange to me given that just given what we know about how good Giannis is. Like if there's one superstar in the NBA that is probably going to play close to 72 games. It's Giannis. It's probably Giannis. Like, and we should have a conversation about how the, uh, how the possibility of load management will really affect a lot of these teams. Oh, because that's, I, that's, you have to cook it into a bunch of them, but yeah, they're not one of those teams. And also like, because here's the other thing. It's not like Giannis plays a lot of minutes. Like they've been doing this for years where he plays 32 minutes a night, 33 minutes a night, and they bludgeon teams. Like this isn't new. Right. For the regular season. The question, as always, is will Bud shorten the rotation in the playoffs? And will Bud play his guys the minutes they need to play to like have a chance to win? And also, there are questions about Giannis specifically. Like, can he stop trying to shoot threes and can he build some counters and mid-range stuff in because that's where 
he could really terrorize a defense. Like if he has some stuff where when you pack the paint and you say, we're not letting you get to the restricted area, can you do some floater stuff? Can you add some little short mid-range, that sort of thing? That's more valuable, in my opinion, to Giannis come playoff time than being able to knock down a three that is just this phantom thing everybody thinks he needs to be able to do. Because like what we've seen is he gets stymied and kind of runs into trouble and ends up in, in these weird situations where like they're sending three guys at him at the rim. And it's like if he can have some more post stuff and like just outside the restricted area short mid-range, you open up so many opportunities because then you're like, okay, you come over. I can stop. I can pop right here from eight feet or yep. I'm just going to stop and draw you out and then I have more passing lanes. Yep. Uh, but that's, again, it's playoff questions. Yeah, not it's playoff questions. Play. It's not regular oh. season questions. Like this roster oh, is sure. still really, it's actually just ridiculously good. This is a no doubt over, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, a very rare start to us for, for having the no doubt. We're going to sit here and, and I always, whenever I do these, I'm always like, look, like, we're going to do a lot of passing and we're going to do a lot of like leans and not suggestions, but like rare for us to have a, a, a no doubter for both of us on the first one. Yeah. And just one final note here. Just I want everyone to raise those glasses to Larry Sanders and his cap hold of one point eight million dollars still being on this cap sheet. Turn Shout up, out Larry Sanders. Turn up, Larry. Love it. I absolutely Milwaukee, love it. Milwaukee's Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> Milwaukee's Bobby Bonilla. Uh, they have $5 million on this cap sheet from Larry Sanders and John Lohr, and I love it. I love it. Legends. Uh, Legends of Milwaukee. <laughs> so we started with Milwaukee. We jumped right in. I just want to note for the listeners that we're going to go in order of – essentially what Vegas has as the conference projection right now. So Milwaukee at 49 and a half is number one. Boston at 45 and a half is number two. Brooklyn at 45 and a half is number three. Philadelphia at 45 and a half is number four. Miami at 44 and a half. We're, we're going to go down that way so that we can knock out the, um, the higher end teams at the top here, because look, the, we're journalists sort of sure. like, well, you know, a little bit and we're 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 contentsmen contentsmen i, I like prefer, that i prefer that to journalists because yeah like, i do too it's too on, stuffy on, a, on on occasion i do a journalism but it's, <laughs> it's few and far between yeah i am most part i'm a contentsman i i just want to have conversations and uh mm-hmm. create content uh that's right journalism every, is not every, for me. every every once in a while i'll do like real world reporting and then it's not not my scene man <laughs> i always i always joke about this because like i don't like bothering people yeah and that is like the number one job of a journalist and so that's why i say i'm not one i have phone numbers for people i could call people but yeah. like i don't like getting phone calls <laughs> out of the blue like if i whenever i actually do some i always like text somebody first i'm like hey man it's it's me can I, is there a time I can call you? Like, I know people that just cold call folks. Oh, I, to be frank, like I do that. And it's a problem because, uh, now I'm over in Australia and it's like a FaceTime <laughs> audio call and I can basically only call people that have iPhones. So if you ever want to not hear from me, go get a Samsung. Basically. Hey, Sam, that's what I've got. So I'm, I'm off the hook here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I'm not a, uh, 
I, I will I always text first, like be like, Hey, like is it cool? Like I got your number and like can I give you a call? Let me know what what time works. Like I'm I'm available whenever. Cause like I just you know, like so like I'm not real good at timely stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I try to be respectful of the people. I'm like, if you gave me your number, you weren't expecting me to call you. <laughs> so, like, like I'm not gonna be like, hey man, like can I get a quote for the story? I'm d- nah, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. no, I don't anyway. think we need that. We're not. So these are the West. These are the Westgate numbers we're pulling off of Vegas Insider currently. Um, so I don't know if these were openers and they've moved. So just you know, be aware of that. Yeah, they've they've been updated as of December 9th. We are recording this on December 10th. Yeah. Um. So, look, if they've moved around a little bit, like, apologies ahead of time. But, but you can do the math. You know, you know what you're doing. Right. If it's a game, so what? Right. And, look, at the end of the day, Westgate is the number because Westgate holds a near and dear place in Robbie and I's heart, uh, as always. Sure does. Uh, last oh, year. He rules football. <laughs> yeah. Last year, I forced Robbie, Brad Roland, and Martin Rickman to follow me to Westgate in order to watch Essendon uh, play Australian rules football against the Sydney Swans. And right in the middle of the game, uh, Kawhi Leonard decided to sign with the Clippers. That's correct. And uh, yeah, that uh, that I resulted in a fury of content from Robbie Martin and Brad and resulted in there and yelled at a TV. me continuing to yell at the TV whenever Ratio Fantasia fucked up <laughs> it was really it was really it was pretty incredible stuff i ran like a four four two forty to the card <laughs> uh, it was great it was great like i think we were the first people with a post up because everybody it was like what it was like 11 p.m local like close to it yeah in like vegas everybody's out at dinner because all the summer league games but this was the night of the earthquake game yeah with the pelicans we were at raising canes when that happened the night that zion caused an earthquake that's right. And so everybody was out at dinners and out at, out at parties and doing all this stuff. So nobody could write. But because Sam had brought us to the book at Westgate, which shouts to the super book, my home away from home. I miss you dearly. I'll see you when there's a vaccine. <laughs> Are you going full Stephen A. Smith voice right now? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I will be there soon. Um, as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, so like, there's free Wi-Fi in the book. We, we cracked the laptops and we got the cracking on content. Uh, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good night for our fair little website. Thanks to Sam Vecini dragging us there. Yeah, I am an honorary. Uh, I, I, I had already lost some money at the table, so I had just come back. I am an honorary Uprox member for having uh, yes. saved you guys some real money and made you guys some real money uh, back in the summer of 2019. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump back into Boston here. Boston is the second team we're going to talk about. Boston's at 45 and a half. And Mm -hmm. I don't have a strong feel on this number. So we we went pretty strong on Milwaukee. I don't really have a great feel for this. So the number would be, uh, 45 and 27, 46 and 26, uh, for Mm -hmm. people that are, they went 48 and 24 last year in the same number of games. Yeah. And, but where, where I'm struggling with this is just trying to figure out, how healthy Kemba Walker is? Yeah, so that's the question. If he can't go for if he plays fifty games or fewer, this is an under for me. Right? I agree. Because like because like you're talking about they at you know, they brought in Jeff Teague. 
who I think is an adequate backup. I'm, I'm interested to see what's left in the tank because his, his last couple years in Minnesota and Atlanta haven't been very good. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's that also, he's also, there might you know, be just a little bit of, a little bit of wash there. There's a little bit of wash, but like as a backup, I think he's serviceable. And like, he's also one of those guys, he kind of, He's got George Hill vibes where, like, on a good team, he can help you. On a bad team, he's, like, detrimental because he doesn't give a damn. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Because, like, Jeff is, like, one of those guys that, like... All right, I'm trying to figure out how it work. Jeff isn't, like, crazy about basketball. You know? Like, he's good at it, so he does it. But, like, he likes video games and wrestling more than a basketball and so like when he's not engaged by like winning I think it's very easy for him to just really set it in cruise control so so that wouldn't happen in Boston that would not happen in Boston and however if he has to start 25 games that's problematic he might have to start 25 games unless Peyton Pritchard beats him out oh Jesus Christ because how about that pick yeah, I mean, it was fine. Like, Peyton's a good... Like, I I voted Peyton third in my National Player of the Year vote last year. Well, yeah, I mean... Like, sure. I, think he's, I think he's an awesome college player, and he fits everything that Danny Ainge looks for from, like, a toughness perspective. Sure. But, man, like, I don't know that I trust Peyton Pritchard first that year in the NBA games. either. He's not going to help you win games, and that's always the thing. It's like... So yeah, I mean it's it's a um So here here would be my here'd be my question for you. Let's say that they go Marcus Smart at the point and then Jalen and Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And then what like you start you have to start Daniel Tice because I think he's better than Tristan Thompson at this stage. Like I think it's gonna be matchup dependent there. Yeah, and do you go Grant Williams, do you go Shimmy Ojale, or do you try and get like uh, a Romeo oh, Langford on the court. If you hope that he's taken a leap, um, the sneaky guy here is Tremont Waters. Like he was really good in the G League last year. Like there's a real chance that he might just they might, be I mean, good. They might need his shooting in some of these lineups. Like you're talking about that line. If you're talking about a lineup with Tice Grant and Smurf on the floor, yeah, like, not that's great. not a great spacing for your for your the J boys. Yeah. Um, like I think they're gonna have to get creative when Kemba's not able to play. And that's going to be the case till January, and then we'll see where they're at. I mean, those, I mean, we we know these knee things when there's inflammation and fluid buildup and stuff like they don't just go away. You know, that's a management thing. And and when we talked about how we're going to have to consider the load management with Wintos this season, Boston's a team that you definitely have to consider. On top of that, and this is a theory that I'm working on with a lot of these East teams, is when I'm kind of on the fence. This is a season where a higher percentage of your games in the Eastern as an Eastern Conference team are coming against the West than ever before. Because you don't get the four games against conference opponents and then four games against somebody else. So you're playing a higher percentage of your games against the deeper conference that we're going to talk about and how we're trying to figure out how to separate teams. There's fewer of those easy wins. You might you're not getting so for Boston, you lose an extra game against the Knicks. Yeah. Right? You know, if you're talking about the central teams, you lose an extra game against Detroit and Cleveland. The southeast teams, you lose a game against Charlotte and Atlanta, although Atlanta obviously is going to be better this year, but Charlotte and Brooke and, and Orlando and these teams. And so 
my working theory is that takes a couple wins away. And so when I'm looking at totals, if I'm on the fence, my lean is going to be under. Yeah. Because of that, because there's a few. So like take Boston, for example, we're talking about they were three wins. They were two and a half wins over this last year. You can you even if they're the same, you can probably take three wins maybe off the board just because they're not going to get that nit game, maybe not an extra bowl game, whatever it was. And you're talking about Brooklyn being better in their division. That might take a win off. So again, this is why I lean under. I wouldn't necessarily. Sit, I'm not. This is not a lock. This is not me telling you to go do it. But this is going to be a theme that you're going to hear from me in this Eastern Conference, which is higher percentage game against the West. West being better and deeper, fewer easy wins, going to lean under. So the Kemba Walker thing, I just want to note, in Boston's playoff run, they played 17 games. Boston, in the first nine games, Kemba Walker averaged 22 points on 49% from the field, uh, 90 from the line, 31 from three, uh, five assists. In his final eight games of the playoffs, Kemba Walker averaged 17 points a night on 38% from the field, um, 30% from three, 76 from the free throw line, uh, and under five assists per game. So it kind of speaks to what Robbie, I think, was saying there where these knee injuries do tend to fester when it comes to inflammation. And I think that that's why Boston is trying to get a hold on it early in the season by, you know, hopefully giving them some time out. But I really worry that if this doesn't get handled early in the season and like, it just continues to get inflamed, like it's probably going to get worse and he probably is going to have to sit quite a few games. Right. So, yeah, I think under here, I don't feel great about it though, because yeah, if Kemba yeah, if does play mean, 45 yeah. or if he does play 55 to 65 games, this is probably pretty close to an over, I think. Yeah. So I, I would not bet this one, but I'm sure comfortable with, uh, comfortable with an under if you really think Kemba is going to play like 25 games this year. Yeah. Same page here. Yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, 45 and a half. So that'd be 45 and 27. There are two minds here when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. The, the first one is that the Brooklyn Nets are going to experience load management at a higher level, I think, than any team. Like they're going to manage Kyrie. They're going to manage KD coming back from the Achilles. They're going to try and manage DeAndre Jordan, I'm sure, just due to his age. But I think that that is being worked into this number. And this team does have, like, they're one of the few teams that has a real depth of creation and ball handlers where they can sit KD for a game and say, hey, Karis, hey, Spencer, you have to go out and get us points. You have to go out and lead the offense. And I think that they can do that. But the problem is that, like, we just have no idea how this is going to work. There's a chance that, like, this implodes in a real way because like, look, half the team is seemingly on the trade block right now. If Houston (laughs) decides to trade James Harden, right? They have all of these ball handlers that probably aren't going to work all that well together. Like Karis Levert, uh, he improved as a three point shooter last year, but he wants the ball in his hand. Like Spencer Dinwiddie wants the ball in his hand. Needs the ball in his hands to be 
effective. Yeah. So this is for me, like, I think a lot of people are going to go under on this number. This is a stay away for me because I don't know how this entire situation is going to work. Like, I think there is a real chance that like it goes really well because this team is just obscenely talented in a number of ways, like going out and getting Bruce Brown is like an eighth man. Like that's a really good move. They have Landry Shamit as like a floor spacer that can take up those minutes that Joe Harris doesn't play. Um, They have real talent here. Like I really like Nick Claxton long-term. Like if he can shore up some minutes whenever Deandre Jordan doesn't play and he can play 18 minutes a night behind Jared Allen, that wouldn't stun me if he can do that. So like, this is a pure stay away for me. If you made me lean, I think I would lean under, but it's it's a tough one. I, th- I think this is one of the toughest numbers on the board for me, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't bet it just because we don't like we. You can't tell me how many games Kyrie's going to play, how many games KD's going to play because KD's not playing back to backs. They haven't announced that, but like, there's no way he's playing back to backs at least for this first half of the season. Um, on top of that, I, I'm with you. I think. Part of the reason that they stayed put with everybody is they know they're going to have to do that. So they know that they might need to drag this out at least until the deadline before they kind of try to go all in and figure out what they need around KD and Kyrie. Like, I think they want to see those two together and then figure out, okay, what can we get for Spencer? What can we get for Karras? Maybe it's James Harden. Maybe it's just going somewhere else. Um, but I'm with you. Like, I think they're going to hold this together to the deadline because they're going to need to just eat up some games where they're not going to have one of their stars. The question for me, and this is this is where my biggest curiosity with this team is, they're going to be a nightmare offensively to deal with. Like, they're just going to be elite. Like, even if KD loses some burst coming off the Achilles, he's still the best shooting seven-footer we've ever seen, and you, he can get his shot whenever without being, you know, able to get to the rim at will. Like, he's still going to be an elite offensive player. The question is, KD is by far of their best players. KD is by far the best defender, but we don't know if that's still going to be the case because his length is tremendous. When he was in Golden State, he was in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation because of what he's able to do on the wing, at the rim, kind of everywhere. But if he's not able to have that same lateral quickness, that same burst to get out to shooters, that same, you know, recovery time, help side time, all of that, they don't have anybody else. I mean, who's their next best defender? It's probably Jared Allen, who is not good against stronger bigs, and Bruce Brown, who's not going to play a ton. I'm fascinated to see how they figure out how to piece together this defense because KD's so important to that but he might not be there this year. And that's why I'm with you on leaning under, but again, this is a firm stay away. Because you could talk me into this being a 51 team easily if everything clicks. Like, they're that good. But also, like you said, this could implode. Guys could check out, you know, like Spencer and Karras if their minutes are wildly wavering from, you know, nights where KD sits to nights where he's in the game and one night you're playing 32 minutes, the next night you're playing 18, it can be hard to stay engaged. Um, the, the thing that people miss with... It's fascinating. The thing that people miss with KD is like, 
I mean, you've seen him like sitting front row. Like I've been front row for KD games and like seeing him play pickup and stuff. His balance is the most insane skill. Oh, he's obscene. Like that's why he does that little spinny crap before games where he like spins on one foot and shoots. Yeah, like, it's part of it. Like he he's he's going to be fine offensively. I like, have no worries about him offensively. It's absolutely crazy. Like you, the way that he can like land on one leg and stay completely straight up and balanced and then just stop and pop like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most incredible skills I've ever seen on a basketball court. And that is not an exaggeration. Like it's one of those things that people just don't look at. But the way that he moves is just so different than frankly guys that are like six foot five struggle with this mm-hmm. let alone someone who's seven foot tall like kevin duran is like it is unfreaking believable how good kevin duran is um but i'm not breaking news there either so <laughs> i'm with you on the under i'm with you on leaning that way but this is a firm stay away i think for both yes. of us We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough Uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory.
Let's go to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're at 45 and a half. Mm-hmm. I kind of like this number a little bit. I think I like it. I think I like the over. Talk me out of it, Robbie. Can't do it. This is one of my favorites on the east side. Okay. Talk me through it. All right. So here's the thing. Last year, what did we talk about all year with the Sixers team? How much of a disaster they were. How nothing was fitting right. How they just looked bad. It was ugly all the time. They were 43 and 30. Yeah. Okay. They were a disaster and they were two and a half wins under this total already. They built they they now have a roster that makes sense. Yeah. I still wish I could have I could have been I want audio or video of the first time Daryl sat down with Elton and was like, what the hell was this? And just pointed <laughs> to a roster sheet and just said, Why? <laughs> Why? I can't Why? tell if you're doing a Nicolas Cage right now. Or if no, you're I'm doing that the, uh, the 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 meme of like the pastor who does the the why <laughs> why why because like they didn't have anybody that could shoot they had nobody that could shoot around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid how the hell does that make any sense yeah no it's bad and well, here's the thing I'm I'm looking forward to this team because you're talking about look you're giving like Seth Curry makes all the sense in the world yeah on this team. Uh, because his defensive deficiencies are covered up by the fact that he's going to be between Danny Green and Ben Simmons. Um, you have Danny Green, who, look, we talked a lot about, oh, you know, his decline and whatever in, in the playoffs. And, like, obviously the, the knee or the calf or whatever it was uh, wasn't right. But he was still a good defender and really helped that Laker defense kind of, he was, there was a reason he played so much and it wasn't the fact that he was knocking down shots at at the rate that we were used to. It's because of kind of what he did for that team defense. And that's what doc is going to want him to do on this Clippers team. Cause they have two great individual defenders in Joel and Ben, but they need somebody on the wing that can kind of tie it together. The wing perimeter who can kind of tie everything together and be in the right spot. And we all know about his transition defense. One of the best to, to ever do it. Well, and here, here's the other thing with Danny too. Even though he wasn't making shots in the playoffs, you have to respect it. You have to respect it. Guys still close out on him because over the course of the last eight years, he's made 40% of his threes. Right. Like even though he's going through a down rung like it's fine he's still mm-hmm. really the perce- really perception as matters as a shooter almost as much as what you actually do uh, yeah. especially in it when you're being tasked with give joel and ben room like that's what you're doing and i think it's gonna be great for tobias because guess what yeah. you're no longer asking tobias harris to be your best three-point shooter that's not a role he's going to excel in but guess what as a good shooter Surrounded by better shooters, he's going to get more open looks because the rotation is not going to be keep on Tobias. Yeah. It's going to be keep on Seth, keep on Danny, keep on these guys. I love what they've done. You know, we're still going to have, they're going to have the questions to answer in the playoffs, but we know this is a good regular season team. They're going to be better on the road next year, I think, than they were, even if they take some slippage at home. Um, but they're just, they make way more sense. They were close to this number last year when they made absolutely no sense. I like the over. Well, like, here's the other thing too. This 
team actually has some semi-decent depth now, too. Like, right. that was a real struggle for them last year. Terrence Ferguson is, like, okay as an eighth man. Uh, right. Like, Dwight Howard is a good backup center in the NBA. Right. Uh, and if Joel gets hurt, Tony Bradley is a good third center in the NBA. Um, I think Tyrese Shake Maxey... Shake Milton becomes a backup now. Shake Milton's a backup. You have to ask to do a lot. We know about Tybal. We know, you know, like they, they've got some depth now. Um, Mike Scott like can said, hopefully shoot. turn it around and make shots, especially now that he might be a little bit more open this year. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is like a for sure over for me. I feel very strongly about it. And if Maxi can give you anything as like, you what, your ninth, tenth guy? Yeah. Just to fill some minutes when maybe you need to rest Danny Green. Because, you know, that's the, you know, they're going to give some rest to guys. But, like, I think the thing we've seen with, like, they're not. But they're they're not going to rest Ben either. They're not going to rest Ben. And they're not, like, Joel's not, you know, getting rested all the time. Like, he, like, they're beyond that. But even if he does, Dwight Howard is fine. Sure. Like, he's not Joel. You can win. Well, and you can win regular season games that way. Right. Um, And you still have the spacing. I just, I like this as an over. I'm with you. I, I think this team could be close to second in the East and win 48 games, 50 games. Yeah. If you told me they went 50 and 22, I would not be stunned by any stretch. I think that that is like a very real potential outcome for them. Um, Miami Heat, 44 and a half. Oh, I love this one too. Do you? Okay. Let's, uh, let's jump through. I'm, I'm fascinated because this number scares the shit out of me. Under. Yeah. I wanted this to be higher, I will admit. I don't love it as much as I thought I was going to because, like, I really wanted this to be, like, 46. Like, I really thought we were going to get post-finals, uber-inflated Miami Heat number. I think the Heat got worse. I think the Heat got worse this offseason. Not hugely, but just, like, I, I, at best, they tread water. And here's the thing. Last regular season... They relied heavily on Kendrick Nunn. Heavily on him. I think his confidence is going to be shot. Well, I also don't think he's all that good. Well, he's not good. He's not good. He's not good. But he played kind of out of his mind. And now his confidence is shot because you benched him all playoffs. That's hard for a young guy to go through. Well, is there a chance that Goron plays more? This year? Oh, there, there is. There is, for sure. But I don't think he keeps up the bubble production. And also, like, they are they might have to, you know, plantar fascia stuff is weird. Um, and hopefully he's back. And, hope, and, like, he was a great story in the bubble. I hope he continues to play better. And if he play, and, you know, he's going to start, and that's an upgrade from Kendrick non-starting. I'm with that. But I don't think Mo Harkless does the same things that Jay Crowder does or did for them. Because um, Jake Crowder was out of his mind in Miami. He was really good. He was Shot really, like really good. 41%. He gave them so much defensively. Like, they did that deal for Andre Iguodala, and then Jake Crowder became the best player by far that yeah. they got out of that deal. I don't really believe Iguodala is a regular season player anymore that gives you a lot. Um, I think he's, you know, he's a guy that you want on your team for the postseason because of what he can give you. But, like, he's not a guy I want to rely on for big minutes in the regular season. Um, you, you know, Derek Jones Jr. is another guy that they just lose some depth in the front court with. 
yeah. um, and did a lot of things for them defensively. Avery Bradley's fine. Um, but, like, I just don't think they got better. I think some of the teams around them got better, and they won 44 games last year. So, like, I think this is a, this is a solid under because here's the thing. Like, Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. I, I wrote a, a best and worst MVP bets column, and I think the worst future bet you can make in the NBA is Jimmy Butler 21 to win MVP. It's the dumbest bet you could make. Don't do it. Okay. He's just 26 and 6. He's not going to win MVP. First off, so, so let me let me counter that. Oh, not the MVP thing because I think okay, yeah, just generally like, yeah, I don't think Jimmy Butler is going to win MVP, but Jimmy Butler is one of the few guys where we can assume he's going to play seventy two games. He's going to play a bunch. I'm with you. Yeah, and Bam Adebayo is going to play seventy games probably. Sure, their two stars are going to play more than other teams' stars. That's a fair point. I also am not a Tyler Hero believer. Yeah, I should I should I should I should have started with that. Yeah, and like I think I Tyler's good. Team. Don't get me wrong. No, no, he's 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 a good player, but like I don't I don't see the jump here. And so like when you're talking about like how are they going to climb up in this Eastern Conference kind of hierarchy business? Like they were an average-ish team in the regular season last year, and like they were. Like, they dominated in, in the bubble atmosphere um, because, like, they were just mentally tougher than a lot of those teams, straight up. Um, and I think there's a perception versus talent differential on this Miami Heat team that I think is just a little bit big. Now, I'm not, I'm not, again, at 44 and a half, I think it's closer to right than I hoped it would be. Yeah. I don't like but this number, really. I'm I not going to lie to you. I do, I do, I do like the under here. Yeah, I, I don't really. I'm gonna stay away from this number. I don't feel super great about it. Like I, I'm just again, they're a good and like I guess I would, they're a good team. Like they're a good team, and they're gonna be a miserable team to play in the playoffs. Yeah, like this this is the thing. These this is a team built to fucking piss you off in the playoffs. But I just like they don't. I I just don't see it in the regular season as a team that's just gonna like have a juggernaut type thing like there there's going to be nights where they look great and there's going to be nights where Tyler can't hit anything and they're asking him to do a lot because Jimmy doesn't want to do a lot in the regular season like Jimmy doesn't want to be the guy that takes over every night and there's going to be nights that they lose because of that but is there a chance that Jimmy sees this like weird season as a weird challenge in the same way that he saw the bubble and is like fuck it I'm taking over like he's just a weird dude. Like we can't he's, he's predict dude, Jimmy Butler's performances. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think I I don't know. Like I feel like you kind of can. Like you can pencil him for twenty six and six, which is a really good basketball player. He might be fringe All NBA because of what he does on both sides of the floor. Like he's great. Jimmy Butler's a great player. And like if you're drafting guys for who you want on your team in the playoffs, he's pretty high on the list. But like I just I don't know. Like. I just look at this team and again, like I think part of this is I came into this hoping they would be overvalued and they're not as overvalued as I thought they would be. But still, like I don't think they're better than they were last year in the regular season, particularly. And they went 44 and 29. Yeah, I'm with that. I I think I would lean like slightly under, but I'm passing on this one, I think for sure. 
Like I'm that's not. Fair. I don't feel great I mean, about I, it. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and like again. I like the Bucks better than this. Yeah, and the Sixers better than this. But I strong agree. Okay, let's go to Toronto. Another one I love. This one I actually do love. Yeah, Toronto went 53 and 19 last year. They lose Over. Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. Uh, they replace them with Aaron Baines and probably an increased role for and uh, Alex Lynn. Chris well, Boucher. I was going to say Chris Boucher, but Alex Lynn but will Alex be there. Lynn is, Alex Lynn's good. He's a solid backup center. Yeah, so I agree with you. I don't see this team losing 12 more games than it lost last year. Number. Like, We're hammering them for playoff performance. Yeah. The, the, Guess what? Pascal Siakam's fine in the regular season. Yeah, the inherent uh, like institutional knowledge of this entire program with the, all four of their leading scorers are back. Like, or no, I'm sorry. All, I think it might be like, it might be five of six also mm-hmm. back. Like mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, all still on this roster. OG Ananobi, still on this roster. Mm-hmm. Aaron Baines to Marcus All, not a big drop off, to be honest. No. Cause no. I think Mark, I don't think Mark's washed, but like Mark is, Mark was not nearly as effective as I think people thought he was. And last Serge year. was all, and Serge was awesome in the playoffs. Like Serge carried them at times in the playoffs, but like Serge was good in the regular season he, too, and he was good in the regular season, and so like that's that's a bigger loss to me than Gasol, and, yeah. and like the the big question here is like you replace your two versatile big men with let you know like Boucher is a guy that that I think is going to play more just because of what he can allow them to do when they do all their weird defensive stuff and go zone and do weird stuff. But like you can't do as much of that with Baines and especially Len, um, so they're gonna have to play a little more straight up. But also like they're they're gonna be fine. Like again, Siakam looked awful at times in that Boston series. Don't get me wrong, he's got to figure out how to diversify his games because they sat on that spin move because they knew it was coming, and they baited him into taking bad post up shots. Okay, this is a guy that's gotten better every year and learns from what people do to him. Pascal Siakam was all NBA last year in the regular season. He was, all, he was, he was incredible. And again, like he's going to come back and he's going to be like, okay, I'm going to look at this film and I'm going to say, okay, I got to get better in the post and get to my, how can I get to my spots more efficiently and in different ways? Because, okay, they're sitting on the spin move. I've got to have a Euro counter to that, to where when I pump to the spin, and the guy slides, now I step across him and I get to the rim easy. Okay? In the post, they're just banging me and begging me to take this little turnaround. What can I do? How do I pass out of this? How do I do that? Like, he's going to do these things and get better. But also, it's not a regular season problem. It's the same thing with the Bucks. Like, you're talking about postseason questions for a regular season win total. Over. Yeah. I, I think this is 100% And they have one of the best over. coaching staffs. Yeah. They're going to play hard. Like, they're- and That's always another thing with these windows. Is is a good point you made about the Heat one. It's like like if you play hard, you steal games in the regular season. Yeah, and they're gonna do that. Like Kyle Lowry's gonna be taking charges week three, opening night, guaranteed all season. He's gonna be doing Kyle Lowry shit, guaranteed. That's all he does like zero <laughs> question. He is going to no. step in front of mm-hmm. some dude and get destroyed because that's what he does. And he's gonna be and he's gonna be clapping. I love it. While the ref, yeah, let's go. And like, no, this one, I think this is this might be my favorite play on the board. Here, here's the other thing: Kyle Lowry played 58 games last year. Fred VanVleet played 54 games last year. Siakam played 60. Um, 
Serge Ibaka and Marcus All like sneaky missed like twenty to thirty games each. Norman Powell missed twenty games last year. This team was hurt as shit last year, and they still mm-hmm. won fifty three games. Yes, this it's is deep. Yeah, this this might be the most ridiculous number I've seen. I think this is my favorite number on the board as well. I think Bell Line had it at forty two or forty three and a half, and I still locked it in. Yeah, I might I might drive up to the gate. <laughs> Three and a half hours for me. Jeff Sherman. What's the max? Oh my God. I'm call, with you. I'm a call. I'm a DM Jeff. I'm with you. Like this is, it's an absurd number. It's a like, completely they're gonna, absurd they're get, number. And they're not going to be rattled by being in Tampa. No, no they're going to, they're going to be fine. They're going to come on. No. Come on. Not even. They don't, I would be shocked if they don't win like 45. Yeah, like, that would be pretty stunning, and that's four games over this. Come on, no, I'm with that. Like th- this team, I think wins more games than Boston wins, and they have four. Mm-hmm. There's oh, a four win that. difference. I would love that prop. Yeah, you could probably get that for plus two hundred right mm-hmm. now, given the four win difference. Put the mortgage on it. All right, the Indiana Pacers, they're over under thirty nine and a half. This feels high to me. So it, and here's the thing: I, the Pacers do this to me every year. I don't believe in them, and yet here they are. They always win like five more games than I think they will, and so maybe I just learn, I'm just not going to bet them. But I I I think they might be worse than the Hawks. This is like a total stay away from me because I don't think they're worse than the Hawks. I'll just straight up say that. Um, I just think they could be because here's the thing: I'm concerned about Oladipo. Yeah, so am I. I'm concerned about Oladipo. Like, Jeremy Lamb is still out, right? We don't know when Jeremy Lamb's going to be back. But if Jeremy Lamb is back by February or early March, that backcourt is Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, with Aaron Holiday as, like, your fourth guard. And, like, you can do some real shit with that backcourt. I hear you. I hear you. I just... And Demonis Sabonis didn't play in the bubble. Sabonis is like awesome. Sabonis is really good. He's so good. Miles Turner's really good. Like Jer- Justin Holiday was one of the best deals of the summer. Can I thought. Can I ask you this? Can I? Yeah, sure. Can I ask you a question? Why does nobody want Miles? Yeah. Why will nobody trade for Miles? Like, what do what do what like what's the intel? Like, like I have never heard anything necessarily. Character wise, like any, like I've talked to the young man, he seems perfectly fine, nice. I've enjoyed it, like, and like I know that doesn't speak to everything, but like I, like I just don't get why nobody wants him. Like he is, he can shoot. He's a good defender. He doesn't fit with Sabonis, and I get that. And they've obviously been, and they kind of just had to be like, okay, like Sabonis is our all star. We're gonna roll with him. But like Monster, I feel like Monster has been on the trade block for three years, and clearly nobody has approached them with anything good. And I don't understand why. Well, I think part of it is that like teams don't want to trade for centers right now and give up like real that's assets fair. for centers. That's fair. But that's fair. I agree with you. Like Miles Turner in 2019 was one of the five best defenders in the NBA. He was <laughs> legit DPOI carrying it. Awesome. Yeah, shot 39 percent from three last year. Or uh, in 2019. In 2020, yeah. he was worse. And, like, sure. I get that. Um, I think that there he is... He also was being told that... He also... They basically were, like, we're putting you in the back seat. You know? Yeah. Like, he's playing in a weird role. And, like, I've talked to him about it. And he said it's kind of tough, but, like, he just does his thing. 
And like I I, I don't get it. Because like I'm I'm a I'm a big Miles Turner fan as far as what he can bring to a team and like if you're talking about versatility and on both ends of the floor like he's got it I, I just don't understand it like I don't know like Detroit signs a million centers like try to trade for a good one I don't know like just somebody will somebody free this man Yeah like I'm trying to find like the landing spot right like well, who- before before Capella. I thought Atlanta should have gone after Miles. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought he was a perfect fit with Trey because, again, he can step outside in space. So I thought he was actually a good pairing with John Collins because they can kind of go inside, outside, do some things. Well, and switchable. And Miles doesn't need to operate in pick and roll. Like, you want a center who doesn't need to operate in pick and roll in Atlanta mm-hmm. and who doesn't um, just stand by the basket like in the dunker spot right right and miles can do that like right i, I agree with you that would have been a perfect fit, fit for atlanta I it was a great fit and then they went and got clinton like i i got it but again like clinton john is not ideal no no like the the team that you know i, I wonder if Giannis signs this supermax i wonder if toronto mm-hmm. takes a run at miles right for kind of like bam out of bioe defense well i think because he's a different he's a different player but like you need a versatile well i think that like like he'd be the serge Ibaka replacement sure and like just kind of fit everything that serge did for them just be you know a better interior defender better yeah Yeah, and probably not as good of a shooter yet but i think he'll get there i I like i like that a lot yeah and like nick nurse would know what to do with him to get him into space like i i think that that's the interesting one to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is toronto okay um Anyway, um, you, 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 this is stay away for you. Right? This is a stay away for me. Cause like, I think they're actually talented. A lot of it comes oh, down to fine. how many games does Malcolm Brogdon play? Because yeah, Malcolm Brogdon's knees are always a concern. Um, how many games does Victor Oladipo play? How many games does Jeremy Lamb play? Uh, does TJ Warren like continue the bubble streak? Is is TJ Warren still good? Yeah, like I, I don't know. What does Demonis Sabonis look like coming back from injury? How does Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis work whenever they might move toward playing more smaller lineups with TJ Warren at the four, which really worked in the bubble? Like there are too many questions here that I think could go either way, not necessarily that I think That's are fair. all negative. Um, I think this is a really talented team. Like, I think that they are awesome. Plus we have the new coach factor with Nate Bjorkren, um, where we well, don't see, here's have a great feel for like, that yet. Yeah. My thing is like, for whatever the issues were in the playoffs, like Nate McMillan got everything out of these guys in the regular season. Like every year, like he was pulling wins out of kind of nowhere. Like yeah. they were always like three games over projections. Um, yeah, I, like I don't know. Like I, I guess my concern is they still seem, and maybe this will change now that Oladipo has issued his trade request and very clearly kind of made it clear he doesn't want to be there. But when he came back, they handed him the keys again, and it didn't go well. Like, he was back to being the guy in late-game situations, and, like, that needs to be Brogdon. I will say, like, Victor Oladipo, like, has not necessarily requested a trade. Just want to just okay. want to say that. Um, but, you know, it seems it seems very plausible that that could happen. Okay. Right. It's It seems like he is not sure he wants to be there. We'll say that. And 
but the the and, but like the thing is like they they were back to like all right Vic like be Vic and like he wasn't able to do it and I'm not sure he's gonna be able to do it. I hope he can, but like those quad tendon things are bad news, man. Like those are hard to come back from when you're a explosive guy like Vic. Um, I don't know. I, I that's my concern is that they're they're gonna be and maybe and maybe having a new coach in will bring fresh perspective and he'll just go with whoever is giving them the best chance and that could be it. Um, but man, like I just I just feel like they give him a lot of leeway and that's good for him trying to come back. But I'm not sure it's good for winning as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. But again, like we, just, we like, this is like one of those things where like we don't know, right? I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. No, again, like this is one where like I would like the under, but I have bet against the Pacers. Like I've, I've, I think I've been against them like the last like two or three years, and just been wrong. So I'm just not gonna do it. I'm gonna learn my lesson, and this is personal growth for me. Now we'll get to the Orlando Magic, and I, I haven't learned my lesson there. But yeah, no, no neither have I. They're coming up. Yeah, I, I'm going to say a slight lean over, but I'm staying away as hard as I can on that. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, the number 36 and a half. That's they're They're basically saying Atlanta is going to go 500. Where are you on Atlanta? Because that would be a 17 win bump for this to go over. I'm pretty. I'm like. You you know me. I'm not a uh, I'm not a homer in any way here. No, uh, I've been getting yelled at by Hawks fans for years. Oh no, we for not being a homer. We were like heavy on the under last year because oh, they yeah, projected yeah. it at like thirty five and a half, and we were like, no, yeah, it was preposterous. Yeah. And we were like, no, they are like the youngest team in the league, and young teams are bad. Yeah, they're not the youngest team in the league anymore. They have done a lot with this roster. Um, I, I, I buy in on it. I think they can be a 7-8 seed in the East. Um, this number at like bet online was like 35 and a half juiced minus 160 to the over or something preposterous. So like, don't do that. But like, at 36 and a half, like I think the number's right. Yeah. I think the number's right. I might even lean over. Now, Part of that is, like, I think their guys are just going to play. Like, their best guys are going to play. Now, I'm interested to see how they manage this rotation. Because, like, they have 10 guys that kind of have to play. Yeah. Based on where they were drafted or what kind of money they're making. Lloyd Pierce has his work cut out for him. But it's a better problem to have than when you were trying to figure out rotations with a bunch of young guys that didn't know their role. And this is something that I've, I've kind of wanted to make clear about Atlanta that I think is going to help their young guys, even though they've added all these vets. People are like, oh, this is going to stymie development. A- and this is how I would push back on that. Yeah, that's not true. I don't agree with that at all. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter are not right now stars. Cam has probably the highest potential. Agree. But he's not there yet. But he was a very good defender last year he's probably going to have to be their best he's going to be their best wing defender like camera just flat out like he's their best wing defender um and he's going to be tasked with that but the thing that's nice about this year 
is they have defined roles for these guys. Kamresh is no longer going to be asked to be a creator. Because you have Bogdan, you have Gallinari next to Trey. Cam's not going to have that pressure on him. He can be a 3 and D guy, which right now is going to give him the best chance to develop those particular skills, which are his strong suits, and develop those skills further. And there will maybe be some times where he, get, you know, he can catch and put the ball in the deck when he, you know, somebody closes out on him. But he's not going to be like, they're not going to be like, all right, man, go do something. Same with Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter's not a creator. Like, he's not, that's not what he's good at. That's what he likes to do. He wants to do it, but he's not good at it. There's a difference. And now he's not really going to have that opportunity. Oh, they're um, just going to run Kevin off the screens the whole right, time. Right, which is not maybe not what he wants to do. But guess what? It's going to be what's best for the Hawks. And honestly, going to develop that skill better because now you have Bogdan and Gallinari and these guys who like you also have to pay attention to when it used to be you locked in on him and you were like, don't let Kevin get open shots. And when he's not Kyle Korver, but like he's a good shooter. Well, like here's the other thing, too. Why do people think DeAndre Hunter was terrible last year? Because he didn't score a lot. But like he was a rookie and look, he played a shit ton of minutes last year. Like He played 32 minutes a night. Right. But, like, he was a rookie wing that played 32 minutes a night and averaged mm-hmm. 12 points and shot 36% from three. Like, no. And guess what? And all he's going to have to do is play defense and shoot. Yeah. And, like, DeAndre's limited as a sure. ball handler and as a finisher. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he wasn't a disaster defensively. I think that no. the fact that Reddish. The Hawks were a disaster defensively. Yeah. I think the fact that Reddish jumped him defensively right. because and Reddish was really good. And jumped him in the rotation. Everybody thought he, everybody buried him. Overstated how like not good DeAndre was defensively. You know like DeAndre was, you know what else it was fine defensively you know for what a else rookie. It was it was the trade. Yeah, it was. 100%. It was what they gave up to move up to get him, um, and that got him buried. And it wasn't fair to him, you know. Like, but here's funny. Guess what? This is what the Hawks do to young guys. Okay, you know, Marvin Williams. It's not his fault. Yeah, this is what the Hawks do. Okay, Joe Johnson wasn't his fault they gave him all that money. Yeah. You signed that paperwork. Um, Joe Johnson made seven all star games. <laughs> and he was awesome. But everybody was like, oh, also, it's funny to think back that we used to freak out about six for 120. Love it. Love it so much. But yeah, but so like, my thing about the Hawks is like, you get Capella on the floor, who I think has been kind of the forgotten guy there. And he raises your floor defensively just because he's a competent rim defender, which is not something they've had. Yeah. And Chris Dunn raises your floor defensively as well in the backcourt. Chris Dunn was a really good pickup. Uh, he's a guy that him and Trey have had their battles. Um, and I think that kind of warmed up the Hawks to him a little bit. And it was just a good signing. Like, by low candidate, he's just a really good perimeter defender. And they need someone like that. Well, it, they didn't have anybody that could attack point guard. And there's that. And there's the fact that this the issue for them the last two years behind Trey has been who plays backup point guard. And like and now you have two. We can talk about Rajon Rondo being a playoff player versus a regular season player. Rajon Rondo is. is an enormous upgrade. Even bad yes, regular even. season Rajon Rondo yes. is an enormous upgrade over whatever Brandon Goodwin, semi-engaged Jeff Teague, Evan Turner at one point last year. <laughs> like to start the season. Yeah. Like current assistant coach Evan Turner. Yeah, like that is 
the level to which the upgrade they're going to be upgraded there yeah. is enormous. They upgraded everywhere. Having said that, seventeen is a big win. It's a lot of it's a big jump. Don't get don't get me wrong. It's a ton of wins, but like, I also look at the teams in their tier. Okay, sure. So like, let's 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 say you don't agree with me about the Pacers thing, and I can understand that. That's probably a hot take. I think the Hawks are firmly better, and like the numbers, the number at, in Vegas agrees. Like, I think they're just firmly better than the other seven teams in the East. Like, I think their roster separates them. I think Washington's the closest because I think when we'll get to this, I think people are really underestimating how much Russ raises the floor of a team to at worst mediocre. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to this next. But you're talking about an Atlanta team that's just like. I think they're going to be good. And again, the question here, and maybe this is where I should pump my brakes and why I don't think I'm going to necessarily say take the over, but I would lean potentially over, is again, you got to play a lot of teams from the West this year. That's a little scary. But I like I just think this is going to be a good team. Like Trey is going to be more efficient because he doesn't have to do everything. Um. They're going to be terrifying on offense. And if they can be competent defensively, which again would be a huge step, don't get me wrong, a competent defense is a playoff team for me. Pretty firmly. I think we're both slightly leaning over, but both passing. Correct. I think is where we're at. There was a lot of discussion about a team that we don't have a strong feel on. Yeah. For the win. But it's a fascinating team. Like they are. It's, it's, it really is. They're one of, I would say, I would say they're one of the most interesting teams in the East for that reason. Yeah. And also they have, like they have, like the, I'm not, I am not a Trey Young stand in any way, shape or form. He has overperformed what I thought he was going to do coming out of the draft. And it's been thrilling to watch. I'm excited to see what he does this year because we're going to learn an awful lot about Trey and what he can bring to winning basketball because now he, now there's no excuses, right? We're going to learn a lot and I'm interested to see it and I hope it goes well. Um, I've got some friends in that building. I hope it goes well. The Washington wizards, 32 and a half. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the over. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Yeah. I'm 100% on board with you. This is a team that won 25 last year. They were awful. However, like I said, like, you're, you, okay, you're replacing Ish Smith with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's just an enormous leap. Like, like I, I get that. I get, here's my thing about Russ. Russ is a floor raiser. Yeah. I, I'm on board with the idea that he might cap your ceiling as an, as an elite team. Like, there might be a cap. There, he might not be a guy that you can have in a huge role on a championship team. I'm not sure that's, the, like, in his current form. Because he just, he, like, he can't shoot. Like, he's it's just broken at this point. But you know what? You know who can shoot? Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans. And Thomas, Thomas Bryant. And that's why I'm with you on this. Like, this team is even better built than the small ball Rockets, I think, for him offensively. Washington's going to be a disaster on defense. You know, it's funny. I, I, I could like the Wizards are like to me, and this is mostly depth, not necessarily their top two guys. The Wizards are very hawksy, but like less talented, top to bottom on the roster. 
like we, they're going to be awesome offensively. And the question is, where is the floor defensively for this team? Because it could be ugly. Like their wing rotation defensively could be real bad. And we're going to find, and I'm going to be interested. Bradley Beal was awful last year defensively, but he didn't have a reason to care. I want to see what the level of care is from this team on that end because they just didn't try. Like they were conscientious objectors to the concept of defense this year. <laughs> Them and the Cavaliers. Oh, we'll get to the Cavs too. Okay. This year you have Russ. Russ brings a level of intensity. He makes you a solid team. They're going to be in the hunt for one of these. For they're going to be in the play-in firmly. Yeah, I agree. They're going to be in the play-in. I think they're the nine seed, and I, I like the over two. I think they could win thirty-four games pretty easily. Yeah, they could win thirty-six. Like they could go thirty-six, sure, thirty-six could, very could, easily. They could get up there because, like, look, like Bradley Beal is a preposterously good basketball player. Yes. Uh, but he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time, and I think he would like to not have the ball in his hands all the time like he did last year. And I think he'll be pretty excited to play with Russ. They're projecting like, this to be a six games under 500 team with like actual two stars, by the way, in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Like, regardless of what you think about Russ, like Russ is going to make right. the all-star game this year. He's going to average like 28 points, eight rebounds and eight assists or something. Yes. Um, Bradley Beal is going to average 28 points a game. Mm-hmm. Davis Bertans is a legit starting level level NBA player now. Mm-hmm. And a flamethrower. An absolute flamethrower to where Russell Westbrook will have better shooting than he's ever had around him. Period. Mm-hmm. Thomas Bryant can hit corner threes. Yes. At a good clip. He he might not be a good defender. And again, that's the question with this team. That's going to be what caps them. Because Russ isn't a really good defender at this point. No. And it, the best thing he does is gamble and go for steals. And now there's no one behind him to clean up the mess. And that's going to go poorly sometimes. But that's okay. They're going to be fun as hell to watch. And guess what? If you're the Wizards, that should be your primary goal. Be fun. Base level be fun. That's where I've been at with the Hawks for years. Be fun. Don't sign Dwight Howard. Be fun. That's that's a shot at both the Hawks and the Wizards. Don't sign Dwight. Love it. He doesn't make you fun. Orlando Magic, 31 and a half. Okay, so we're both over on the Wizards. Yes. I don't... I probably will not bet that but i'm close on it like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty tight uh the orlando magic this is an under for me um i'm selling the magic the only issue the reason i won't bet it though selling the i've been selling magic for three years oh eventually it's gonna pay off every single year we go under on the magic (laughs) every single year we've been doing this podcast for four years i think i think we've gone under on the magic every single year and we've been wrong like every single time i think last year they were on pace to go under like, because they were projected at like 500, which was preposterous. I totally yeah, I get why Orlando Magic fans hate me. Because oh yeah, to, no, 100. We just like, we hammered them every year in this podcast. But guess what? They lost their best player. They lost their best player. <sighs> I mean, shouts to Vucevic for just keep doing this thing. Salute yeah. to that man because he he look that man's genuinely become a really good offensive player. Okay, here's the reason that I won't bet this. Okay, talk to me even though I think they win like 28 games or so mm-hmm. is because Steve Clifford is a fucking a icon. Like he is, a, he is a, like, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Steve Clifford is one of the I'll best coaches in the NBA. 
I look forward to finding out how without Jonathan Isaac, they're still a top 10 defense. Yeah. They're going to, he's going to figure out a way to have him close. Yep. And it's going to piss me the hell off. I have very few doubts that they're going to have a top 10 defense just because Steve Clifford, that's what he does. They he rolls out of bed and gives you that. Yep. There is very little, very, very little concern about Steve Clifford putting together a defense that is going to be great. They've been eighth and 10th in defensive efficiency uh, <laughs> since he's been there. Uh, even in Charlotte in 2018, they went 36 and 46 with that Kemba Walker team where Dwight Howard was playing 30 minutes a night for them, which was not great. Like they were playing Frank Kaminsky, 25 minutes a night. Mm -hmm. Jeremy lamb was not a uh, high level defender for them. Let's say Marvin Williams is not like a super high level defender for them either. And they still finished like middle of the pack in the NBA in defense. Mm -hmm. They finished middle of the pack the year before in defense. They finished eighth in the NBA in 2016, that year that they kind of exploded a little bit. They finished ninth the year before. Like, Steve Clifford is... They finished finished ninth in the year Al Jefferson was, like, their best player. Yeah. It's crazy. How do you do that? They finished ninth in defense with Al Jefferson playing 30 minutes a night at center. What? This is bananas. Hey, shouts to Al Jefferson. Yeah, no no talking shit about Al Jefferson, but, like... I love Al Jefferson. His game was... He was a dominant old man at the Y moves post player. I love it so much. Love it, but not but not a rim protector. No, and and they were ninth. They're still going to do it. Like they're going to figure gonna out how to defend. However, offensively, it's going to get ugly. I'm just kind of like I said this on the last podcast I did about the Eastern Conference. I'm just kind of sick of watching the like Fournier Vucevic two man game. Like, it's not it's not good. And now like and here's the other thing is like the keys are in Fultz's hand completely. DJ Augustine's no longer there as a safety blanket. Yeah. They are handing Fultz the keys and like I, I hope it goes well. But like they're gonna ask him to do a lot. Yep. And that's gonna at times that's gonna take away from some stuff. And then the other options are gonna be Cole Anthony or like playing point Terrence Ross? Oh no. Like Let's that, not do that. They're like point Fournier? Like it's going to be one of those two. Point, it, it would be point Fournier. Which, no, which again, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, like No, it's, it's not I'm great. Just, I'm out on the magic. Shout out Giannis Tima, shout out Fran Vasquez. But yeah, no. I'm not a uh, Shout out to his family. I'm not uh, excited about the Orlando Magic. I There's a world where this goes over because Steve Clifford is brilliant and a genius. And for that reason, for that reason, I'm going to I'm going to show respect and not bet it, but it's an under. Yeah. Yeah, I'm staying away. I'll pay my respects to Steve Clifford for once, but this is this this would be an under for me if we're picking. Chicago Bulls. 22 and 43 last year. So, did not play up to 72 games. Oh. On pace to win like 25 or 24, mm-hmm. something like that. So this is a six-win increase. This is basically a six-win jump for Jim Boylan. <laughs> Which might not be wrong. They have a real-life NBA coach. No, I think it's right. 
Like I think Jim Boylan cost them ten games last year. Probably. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they they have gone from having like the worst coach in the last decade of the NBA. Yeah. To having a coach of the year. Yeah. This might be a ten game jump in coaching alone. I'm not gonna bet it because like I don't know, but I'm with you. Like this is, yeah. Like I, because like roster wise, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I loved where they were last year. No, we we both had the over last year because we were like, look at this roster. Yeah, this is a this is a possible playoff team. Yeah, and then they Jim Boylan was fucking Mister Magooing it up, <laughs> and they couldn't do anything, and like Otto didn't play and all that, and like Otto, please, man, it's a pandemic. Just lock it up, man. But anyway. If Otto Porter plays, by the way, in the like, how many minutes has Otto Porter played for the Bulls? I can pull it up real quick. He's played like 700 minutes for the Bulls so far in his yeah. career. It's not a lot. They've been even. Like, if you look at his over-unders, in the minutes he's played, they've been even with their opponent. Because he's a good player. He's really he's good. He's like their second best player. Yes. And he doesn't play. Yes. Because he's hurt all the time. If he's healthy... This is probably an over. Yes. I think if he's healthy, this is an over. I really do. You know what I would love to take? We talked about this earlier. I would love a Bulls versus Magic. Yes, I would too. 30 and a half versus 31 and a half. I think that the Give Bulls... The Bulls like EV? Like what? Probably like plus 100? Yeah, something Chicago. like that. Give me Chicago. Let's buy, you know what? Let's go to Crazy Town. They have, they have adults in the room now. Yeah. And not like an adult trying... Like a, a fake adult who's trying to be too much of an adult. <laughs> did, you, did you hear did you, have you heard my favorite the only good training camp quotes are zach levine not so subtly shitting on jim Boyle. oh my they god they are my favorite genre he's like yeah we're like moving on offense this year <laughs> <laughs> like they asked like what's the biggest difference like we're, he's like a lot more movement uh, it's fucking hysterical uh, a plan <laughs> <laughs> We have we have plays that weren't driven, you know, scribbled on the back of a cocktail napkin. <laughs> oh Jim, man! Jim Boylan's entire playbook was just written on the back of Ditka's Steakhouse napkins. <laughs> oh man! Like this team has real talent. Like Kobe White was really good to close the year. Zach Levine yeah. was good last year. Shout out! Mm-hmm. Shouts out to four eighty. Uh, you know, you know, we lo- you know, you know, we all love Wendell. Wendell is good. Like Wendell Wendell's in this good. scheme should Full be time. good. Lowry Full in this scheme good. should be good. You know, I've, I was I've been doing this like most important player on every team thing. Um, that will be running either I think this weekend. Yeah, for the Eastern Conference and like my thing with the Bulls is like, I was like it's, it's it's Lowry because like he was so good two years ago. Oh, I, I think it's definitely like Otto Porter then, for this season and, particularly. Well, I think it's definitely Otto Porter. I but. just I'm more. I think for me, it's it's Lowry because from a this season and long term perspective, like because they gotta figure out yeah. what to do because he's an RFA. Yeah. So for me, that's why I picked him because like I'm I'm with you. Like Otto is the one that triggers how they win, but I think long term, like they gotta figure out what to do with Lowry, and like he was so good two years ago, and then like last year was a disaster for everybody, and like you have a real coach who's gonna have a, like you said a plan for how to use guys. This is exciting. A new front office trying to evaluate guys. 
So I think him long term, like he was my pick. I'm with you. Like Otto is the one that unlocks winning for this team. Um, but like his question is like, is he healthy? Markinen's more like, how good are you? And that's to me the more interesting guy. I guess I should call it the most interesting player on each team. Well, we're just we're just uh, game planning here. We're I might I might tweet that headline before that goes up. All right, so we're both over tentatively. I'm staying away from this to be honest. I'm staying away, but I, I like I like yeah. I lean over again. This is all like it's you got to tell me how many games Auto plays. Yeah, that's that's it for me too. How many games uh, does Auto Porter play? Uh, the Charlotte Hornets twenty five and a half. This is a very young team. Mm-hmm. This is a team that went twenty three and forty two last year. But if you look at their expected win loss, it was nineteen and forty six. Right, they played over their heads, especially early in the season when Devonte was like going nuts. Yeah, um, they were like five hundred for a little bit, and we were like, "What?" They bring in Gordon Hayward, and I actually kind of sneaky like that move. Like he is a ceiling raiser for them. Sure, but I think this number's high. I agree. Uh, I think Bell Online had it closer to like twenty seven and a half. So shop this. Yeah. As always, shop your numbers if you can. Um, here's the thing, and I talked about this with Brad Rowland, which is if they do what they should, which is put the ball in LaMelo Ball's hands for 32 minutes a night. Oh, it's not going to go well. This is an under. And that's what they should do. He's your future. Let him work through it. Because Gordon's not going to need the ball. Like, that's kind of the reason I think people like that move is, like, he can work with LaMelo. Like, he, he yeah. secondary creator give you a spot-up guy. Well, they have three ball handlers on the court at once. They can have LaMelo, Gordon, and Devontae all handle the ball, and they're all complementary of one another, and it will foster LaMelo's development. And right. like, but here's, here's just the thing, though. This is a very young team now, in terms of who yeah. is going to get their minutes. Uh, yes. It's going to be LaMelo Ball, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, uh, Cody Martin probably gets a substantial amount of minutes. Like, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier and probably Cody Zeller to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, those are your th- yeah, they've been talking about how they like Zeller, but those are your vets and Malik Monk yep. too. We'll get minutes as well. Like Malik I should Monk mention that minutes. off the bench. Yeah, but that's just a really young roster in terms of where your offensive usage is coming from. I think that this is like kind of a hawk situation from last year. Right. Yep, I'm 100 percent on board with you. And, and you like we talk about this all the time. Like young teams just don't win games. That's what they're trying to learn how to do. Is they're yeah. trying to learn how to win games, and you just you end up losing some because you you make mistakes and you don't get to the right shot and you don't get to the right spots and defensively, like they're not a good team, and yeah, like under, I think this is a pretty good. And again, this this is one of those teams that I think is hurt a lot by this. You play a lot of West teams, yeah, you I know? agree. Like these next them, the Knicks and the Cavs, I think are hurt the most by that. Yeah, if you can get this at 27.5, I actually would bet this under. Yes, 25.5 is a lean. Yeah, it's more of a lean for me. Uh, the Detroit Pistons at 23.5. This one I kind of sneaky like. I kind of want to... Like, I'm not betting this because you're betting so much on Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose staying healthy yes. or not staying healthy. Yes. And that's just a dangerous ideal. It's terrifying. So I'm... It's over. Definitely staying away from this because I don't trust either of those human beings to stay healthy and, uh, frankly, to, like, stay on this roster long term. Right. No, I'm with you. But 
if they're on the roster, it's an over. If they're not and they're not playing, it's an under. Like I, I can't make it more simple than that, right? Yeah, I I think it's an over just because I think even if they're on the roster till the trade deadline, that's that's enough to win them too many games. Um, you know, like I mean, like you said, like Blake two years ago was ridiculous, and I don't know if he can get to that level again. But if he's anywhere approaching that. This yeah. is way too low. Like he dragged this team to an eight seed, and then killed himself in the playoffs trying to play through it. Yep, kind of ruined maybe his career. Like they can close with Killian Hayes, Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, and like a fifth Mason guy, and, and maybe Mason. Mason. Yeah, like it's a really big lineup. It's a big lineup. That's why I'm saying the maybe East Mason. Is big man. But like they have Delon Wright, who's like sneaky. Sure. A good, Fine. solid NBA player. Like, right. they're, this team has a lot of, like, mm-hmm. good NBA players and established good NBA players to where I don't feel comfortable betting this number because you can't tell how healthy they're going to be. Like, sure. I honestly kind of just think it's a simple conversation to have on them. Like, mm-hmm. if Blake is healthy and Derrick Rose is on this, if they're both on this roster long term, they really might challenge for the play-in series and mm-hmm. could, like, end up in the playoffs as the eight seed. Sure. So, I just can't, uh, I can't. It's hard to advocate for it. Advocate I think I'm a little, it. I feel like, I think I like it maybe a little more than you. I'm with you. Like, it's, it's scary. Um, can we have a real quick discussion about Jeremy Grant? I'd like to just say something here. Go ahead. Give it to me. Back in 2016, a young man by the name of Kent Bazemore was given a very large contract. Okay. And he was given a very large contract by an Atlanta Hawks team that wanted him to go from being a role player who fit a role and did it very well to being a starring player. And it did not go well. Jeremy Grant was offered, according to reports, close to, if not the same money, to continue playing the role he excelled in in Denver. He chose to go to Detroit under the guise of getting an expanded role. Jeremy Grant is not a shot creator. He's never been very good at it. His shooting percentages after more than like two dribbles plummets. Jeremy Grant had a great role in Denver. And like, I'm sure there's no players listening to this, but if you're out there, if you can make the same money to play a role you excel in, I understand everybody wants to be a star. But here's the thing that comes with that. You're going to get buried if you're not good. And I worry for Jeremy Grant he's going to get buried because his numbers just aren't going to be there to justify the contract. If he was on that contract in Denver where doing what he was asked to do, nobody would care Yeah. if the numbers weren't there. Nobody would care. You were in the closing lineup. You were their top wing defender. You were a really good spot-up shooter and cutter. You were playing with a savant who found you in the right spots at all times. Now you go to Detroit. You're going to be asked to do a lot because you're making that money. And that's what you wanted. Beware of the bays. Yeah. 
because you might be contract filler in a year and a half. Beware of the bays. I love that. Just, it, you should literally. That should be a headline. Beware of the bays. I I've been trying to fi- and maybe maybe I'll write this because like I've been trying to figure out how to write it and be not like not bury a guy. Yeah. But like because I don't want to do it because like again like I said with the Joe Johnson thing. But Kent Bazemore got traded talk. like six times. It felt like he did. He did. And nobody wants and that. Like, and nobody wants to do that. And now Bays is on a minimum in Golden State, and I think he's going to be really good there. I think that's a sneaky good pickup. Because here's the thing. Bays was good for Sacramento at the end of the year. He's just not $17 million a year good for what he does best. Because when you have somebody who makes that much money, usually you're going to ask them to do more than they're maybe capable of. Jeremy had fallen into maybe the perfect situation in Denver where they were willing to pay him like a star to be a role guy. That should be the dream. That was how he was going to keep making all this money. Now I'm worried he's going to go to Detroit. He's going to be asked to do a bunch. He's going to shoot 36% from the floor. He's going to take too many off the dribble threes, and his three-point percentage is going to go down. He's going to be on the worst team defense. And he might become a guy in two years that's getting dealt on an expiring, and then his next deal is going to be lower because people think, okay, well, he just fell off yeah. when really he was just in the wrong role. Yeah. And like, I wish, and I, look, I don't like, it's hard as a player. I understand again, like I talk about this, like I, I love guys who are confident in themselves, but also if you're an agent, if you're whoever, like n- try and maybe steer them in a better direction. If you, if you can see this coming, some guys want the ball in their hands, you know, whatever. And well, it's hard to, it's hard to tell them no, but yeah. guess what? You can't you can't get mad when all of a sudden you're getting shit on because you're just not doing as well. Let's go to the New York Knicks. Uh, we both have that as a over, but like you know maybe over, but it's scary. Yeah, and I'm not anywhere near betting that the, spooky season. Yeah, the New York Knicks, uh, twenty two and a half. So they won twenty one games in sixty six mm-hmm. last year because they did not mm-hmm. participate in the bubble. This is like a definite under to me. Oh, hammer it. Hammer yeah. It. Um, they th- got way worse. Yeah. And they were really terrible. I think this is the worst. I think this is the worst team uh, in the league pending OKC selling off more folks. Yeah, I think that Cleveland still is bad. Um, but like Marcus Morris, like sneaky, kind of carried them to a few wins early well, in the season. That's what I'm saying. Like, like early on, like they had Marcus, like Marcus Morris gone, Bobby Portis gone, Tosh Gibson gone. I'm I'm not saying those are like great like great players. Marcus Morris was out of his mind. Yeah. But like those are guys that are like solid. Damian Dotson gone. Wayne Ellington gone. Maurice Harkless started ten games for them near the end of the year. He's gone. Yep. I feel extremely bad for RJ Barrett. They have not put the young man in a position to succeed it once again. Yeah. I mean, there's look, no space. There's no spacing for him. Yeah. yeah what does RJ what does RJ Barrett want to do? He wants to go to the rim. Slash and drive. That's all he's got. And what have you done to this poor young man? You put Alfred Payton next to him again. Who's their best shooter? Um Emmanuel Quickly probably. He can actually shoot. Okay. Like He's a great shooter. That's like the okay. one thing he can do at an NBA level. Okay. But look who else is on this roster. Um, where's, where's Julius Randle want to be? At the rim. Mm-hmm. Can Kevin Knox shoot? Nope. 
Obi Toppin might be able to shoot a little bit. Obi Toppin might be able to shoot. That might be a really good pick and roll par- partner for who's um, RJ Barrett. And I'm excited to see it. Uh, you have 37 Kentucky players on the roster. <laughs> They're also all CAA. Uh, what's Dennis Smith Jr. do best? Don't say nothing. That's mean. Don't say nothing. That's mean. Let's go to the rim. Yeah. What? What's? Can Michael Kidd Gilchrist shoot? Nope. No. Can Frankie Ice shoot? No. He's okay. I love. I've. I've been. Here's the thing. I was advocating before the Chris Dunn thing. I was. I've been advocating for years. The Hawks bring Frank in. Frankie smokes. And put him next to Trey as basically the Chris Dunn guy. Yeah, I'm in on that. I wanted that. Because Fra- my favorite thing is in Summer League, Frank used to put Trey in like the figure four at midcourt. Yeah. I loved it. Anyway, uh, Austin Rivers is fine. I don't hate that. Are, are you ready for Nerland's Noel, like 18-footers on repeat? <sighs> Here's the thing. I was so excited for Nerland's. He, I thought he was in. A, I thought he was really nice last year for OKC. I really wanted him to go somewhere good where he could contribute in a role that was going to, you know, ma- like like I'm talking about with Jeremy Grant, maximize his talents. He did not. Because, like, the sneaky thing is, like, Nerlens wants to shoot those. <laughs> and Nerlens will probably be asked to shoot those in New York. I just... Reggie Bullock can shoot. He's still there. Yeah. I hope he can get on the court. But, like, there's... Yeah. But, like, man, like, they just... I feel bad for RJ. Like we all knew what he wasn't good at coming out of the draft. Yeah. Like we, everybody talked about this, and he ended up in the one place that refuses to build anything around him to allow. Like here's the thing: I understand the Knicks didn't like they didn't do a disaster this off season. Like they didn't spend a bunch of money on guys they shouldn't. But at the same time, like they didn't do smart moves to benefit their young guys. Yeah. That's the issue. Like it's one, like it's one thing to like oh like they didn't blow their cap space. It's like okay, Austin Rivers might sort of kind of help them. I think Austin Rivers was a good pickup. I think that was fine. Alec Burks yeah, is fine. Alec Burks is fine. But like they, you're not. You just didn't give the guys that you need to be cornerstones. Well, it, top ten pick. And here's the thing: they're going to give those. They're going to give those young guys the ball. Too. They are, but they're not giving them the ball with guys around them that can help. Right, but that, that's and my that's point my here issue. for the under. Like, oh, no, 100%. They're going to give the, yeah. the young guys the ball, and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And Tibbs, like, maybe Tibbs just decides, we're going to give Alec Burks the ball because I don't like young players. <laughs> but, oh, God, that would be bad. I want to say, I can't wait for Nick's Twitter when Alec Burks is closing games and RJ's on the bench. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Uh, and guess what? Alex, Alec Burke still isn't going to win them the games. Okay, the Cle- They're just going to lose by four instead of ten. Oh, God. Let's go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> this is sad with the Knicks. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to talk about the Knicks anymore. I'm done. The Cavs, okay. 22 and a half. I mean, I don't like this roster at all. <laughs> the case, the case another, would be... Another one, another one that, like, I'm... I, you can talk me into the under. Yeah, I think it's the under for me. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. I, I don't like it as much as the Knicks. I don't either. But uh, the more uh, I think about it, the more I don't like it. Because like Kevin Love and Andre Drummond, for what they are, are still like useful. Right. Okay. Here's 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 a sneaky one. Go find your uh, go find your local local establishment has player props, and take Andre Drummond over rebounds per game. 
he's going to clean up because they can't shoot. Yeah, that's a good Take point. It. Hammer it. Just, I think he could average fifteen plus. That's that's your Cavs bet. That's my Cavs bet. Andre Drummond over rebounds per game. That because, is, your I mean, Cavs like, bet. look at this. Look at, I mean, look at this roster. They got some guys that's going to put them up. I mean, look, here's the thing. I like Colin Sexton. He's been good. So do I. He's been getting better. I like that. Darius Garland. We'll see. Kevin Porter. We'll see. Kevin Porter, he's got and he's got his off court stuff. And Kevin, by the way, was really good last year. Like I think there's a he real was, case that Kevin is like maybe their best long term prospect. I'm I, willing I have, to hear I've that. I've seen out. I have seen the takes. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you got like you got Jetty's still there. Kevin Love is still there. Okoro is going to play, and that's that's not a shooter. They're going to give the young guys a lot of room again. Like Kevin Love. And Andre Drummond, and like their front court's pretty solid. Like JaVale McGee is a solid backup center, um, and like I have to imagine he gets traded at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, like it, it's really my belief in this under would really come down to how long everybody's still on this roster that's like decent and a veteran, because like. I don't know. Like, do they try to move Andre Drummond on the expiring? Or, like, what are they doing with all this? Yeah. See, like, for me, again, it comes down to the fact that the guys who are going to be handling the ball... Sure, are young. ...are going to be very young again. Uh, if if they're smart, right? Like, they should no, 100%. give Colin Sexton, Darius Garland... Kevin Porter, like all of the free reign. They went out and signed Damian Dotson, who's like kind of sneaky, not terrible in ball sure. screens, by the way. Um, but like they should give those guys the ball and say, mm-hmm. hey, we need you to do something. And I don't know if they're efficient enough to do anything with it yet, to be honest. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just saying like, again, like the, the, the back line is kind of good enough to keep them close to this number, I think. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like I, I like the next one better. Uh, but I would lean under here as well. I agree. So to recap, both of us really like the Bucks over 49 and a half. Correct. We're passing on the Celtics, but under uh, if we had to lean. Both pass, but under on the Nets. For the Sixers, we are both pretty strong on the over. Mm-hmm. For the Heat, you're under mm-hmm. pretty firmly. Like I'm more of a pass on them. Okay. Yeah, that's that's correct. I I probably won't bet it. I should say that I probably won't bet it. But like I I do like just because I have a lot of other things I like a little better. Yeah, uh, the Raptors is our favorite. Uh, yes, Raptors over is our favorite on yes. the board. Uh, our disagreement is on the Pacers. We're both passing, but Robbie under For different me, reasons. Me over. The Hawks. We're both slightly over. I I'm. I think 36 is like the number basically. Right. So we're passing. I think, I think the number is right here. Um, both over for the wizards. Yes. Are you betting that or are you passing? I actually might bet that. I kind of like that. I might bet it again. I haven't put, I haven't put my whole card together yet, but I I do like it. That's because like I try to limit myself on over unders, but I do. I will say this: like I like so many more in the East than I do in the West. Like there's gonna be like two that I actually bet in the West tops. Yeah. Um, 
the Orlando Magic were both under, but we're staying away out of respect for the Orlando Magic gods and the Steve Clifford. Uh, That's correct. Temple. Uh, yes. The Chicago Bulls were staying away, but we both lean over due to the uh, Jim Boylan catastrophe being replaced. <laughs> correct. And just other poor questions is why we're staying away. Yeah. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets were both under. If you can I, get it 27 and a half, bet it. Yes, but 25 and a half, we're probably going to pass. Yeah, it's just, that's real low. The Pistons, we just are passing totally due to health reasons. I like it. I like the over a little better than you, but again, I'm not going to bet it. Yeah. But I would not hate betting it because like, if their guys play, I think that's so low, even if they trade guys at the deadline. The Knicks, that's betting an under. under. That's a bet. the under. Yeah. And then the Cavs, I think I am going to stay away just because that whole situation makes me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. I, yeah, I'm not betting it, but um, I do lean. Like, I don't think that I want to... You don't want to have investment in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't I don't want to have to watch Cavs games, really. Like, I will because it's my job, but like, I don't want to have to be forced to watch Cavs games. Right. I think is where I'm at. Okay. We will be back later this week with the Western Conference over unders. Robbie, tell the people for this podcast where they can find your work. You can read me over on Uprox, Dime Mag, all that good stuff. We got, you know, preview business coming out. And um, if you are into the gambling space, uh, the punk cast, we do college football and golf mostly. Uh, Me, Tom Fernelli, Chip Patterson, my former CBS colleagues. Uh, you can subscribe to that wherever you listen to podcasts like this one, which is a better one. Shout out to the New Orleans Pelicans. They have just brought Gar Foreman in as That's a right. special advisor. That's right. For scouting. Oh, boy. Gar, by the way, if you look at Chicago's track record as in terms of purely their draft record. Not done terribly in draft. It is totally fine. I don't. I don't as long as that's all they're asking him to do, it might not be the worst thing, but it is just funny. Yeah. Objectively. Okay. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back later this week with the Western Conference win total over-unders. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.